0: You didn't even get out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was feeling lazy
1: and cold this morning, so (laughs) So I set it up in bed. (laughs) Oops. Except I keep hitting things and it's making really loud noises.
0: (laughs) It's alright, I'm in my I'm in a cave.
1: I, gonna... I see that. Trying to get some. Light. I don't know if this is going to work very well, but I wanted hey, to be
0: cozy. <laughs> we we can have a comfortable session. Who cares?
1: Yeah. Who cares?
0: It's been a wild week.
1: Yeah. How are you doing now?
0: all um, All right.
1: Oh, I had the claps on preview, not live. Hold on, let You're me fired. let me announce let me announce your
0: arrival. Wait a minute, I was here first. Many no, words. Oh my
1: god, don't act bored.
0: I'm don't not acting. Roll,
1: <laughs> don't you roll your eyes at me?
0: Don't you roll Let's your start. eyes at me? I'll roll that head of yours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. All right. So tell me about your week as a single dad.
0: Uh, it was actually, it is funny because the week itself was fine. The kids were relatively well behaved. Uh, we made it to all the activities. I didn't forget to pick anybody up or drop anybody off. Everybody was at school on time with their lunches and all that stuff. Until, (laughs) you already know part of this story, but I'll tell it because it's a good story. (laughs) The, uh, I think you're the one that referred to it as the dumb fuck dad story. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I felt like. My wife had been gone for five days and we had, I took the kids to tennis on Thursday and she was supposed to get back like right around dinner time. Fine. So to make things easier, on her way back, she was just going to pick up dinner. So she rolled in with a bag full of Wendy's and a full bladder. So she was like, okay, can you take this stuff in the house? I need to go to the bathroom. Said, sure, but both kids wanted to surprise you by being already showered and bathed and stuff, cleaned up. She's like, all right. So (laughs) I proceed to unload the car with the food and her stuff, she walks into the basement. Water is pouring out of the basement ceiling into the middle of the living space. (laughs) So I walk in with a bag of food and she's like, what is happening here? (laughs) Why is there water pouring from the ceiling? What the fuck did you do?
1: What did you do? What did you do while I was away?
0: It was all my fault. I can't
1: leave you for
0: that's how it felt. A
1: single day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's how it felt.
1: Without the house falling apart.
0: Right. So she walked into a a disaster happening. Turns out that number one son had uh, (laughs) been upstairs and. I ran up to see where the water was coming from. I figured he overflowed the toilet or whatever it was. He was in the tub, filling the tub. And for some unknown reason, he started the water to the sink also and just left (laughs) it fill up. And it was just overflowing. It was like a waterfall. It was a beautiful little waterfall down the back of the sink, down into the wall, directly into my new basement ceiling um water was (laughs) pouring out it was uh so then i look over at him he's got his goggles on he's swimming in the tub like he's having a party (laughs) a pool party in the summer (laughs) he didn't care at least he didn't pee in the sink he may have who knows he pees everywhere else Mm -hmm. so (laughs) oh little wyatt yeah. But, but then I today. Will say, go ahead. Oh,
1: go, I was going to say, I will say, though, that you and I texted and spoke during your week alone with the kids and you did a great job.
0: I appreciate that. And I think mm-hmm. I did a pretty good job. I told her that. And she knows <laughs> she's not like judging me or anything. It was just really <laughs> coincidental that she walked in during probably the worst moment of the week.
1: Yeah. Kind of funny.
0: It was funny. And she didn't even say anything. She wasn't like, "What have you done?" Yeah. It was good.
1: It was just like that exact moment right. she came home.
0: Right. It couldn't have been worse timing. Had I let them shower later, it probably wouldn't even have happened.
1: Because she would have been in the bathroom.
0: She, yeah, um, she would have been in the bathroom or she somebody would have been watching somebody get there. <laughs> It's funny,
1: but that instead you were like on Slack talking to me or something,
0: I was probably texting you or whatever. And I was like, hurry
1: up. Mom's going to be home. Hurry up. Get get your shit together.
0: So good times.
1: Did you and did you get writing done while you were alone with the kids?
0: Yes. Wow, I actually did. A little bit. I only wrote a couple of pieces, but they were enough. I mean,
1: I don't read you, so.
0: Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had, I got a, some we've had
1: an exciting time um, at our publications on Medium, too.
0: We have. I was going to talk about that. Okay. Because we rarely talk about writing, but we should. We need to talk about writing.
1: I don't know why we've been so afraid to. I think we've been afraid to pigeonhole ourselves. But the, the fact is, is that my dog keeps barking out there. I'm just going to ignore it. Nora, <laughs> duh. Um, duh. but <laughs> But the fact is, is that, you know, we we are writers and we started <laughs> why we started this podcast to begin it's- with.
0: It's funny how plans kind of go out the window and they come mm-hmm. back but honestly this has been a theme lately how I think we we don't while we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves we also need to talk about everything and be open to whatever is being thrown at us by the universe or whatever yeah. you know channeling Rick Rubin here again but that book hit me right where I needed to be hit, (laughs) you know, stay open to things that are happening. Keep your eyeballs open. You never, you just never know where inspiration is going to come from. And if you close yourself off to it, you never get it. So I'm fine talking about writing or repairing my ceiling. I don't care. Yeah, that's life. It's life.
1: It's the life of an unfocused writer.
0: Are you going through puberty?
1: Maybe. Old lady puberty.
0: <laughs> Did you I always think every time somebody's voice cracks, I think of that Peter episode of the Brady, Brady. Bunch. Yes. <laughs> it's just the best. hmm I can still Did hear that song haircut? in my head. No, I just I just combed it after a shower and just left it. I had a it hat on like earlier it's but it's shaved
1: on the sides or something. turn, got, like turn last, to the side. Do you have an army week? haircut?
0: No. Get out of here. <laughs>
1: No. don't roll you are rolling your eyes extra at me today
0: uh, oh, the, I've spent enough time with my kids in the last week
1: kids. yeah I'm not a kid
0: it doesn't matter my eyes are on autopilot for eye rolls Oh,
1: autopilot but for assholes it
0: just looks weird because I'm in the dark wait hold on Is that any better? Ooh,
1: yes. It's like the, Looks, and there's a light shining down in the middle like it's God coming down and reaching his hand for, toward it's you. It's
0: Jesus, and I don't even believe in Jesus.
1: I know. What's that?
0: What are you doing? I don't like that. I don't like that light, the Jesus light coming down at me. <laughs> I don't like it. The first time I recorded in here, I, I took that light bulb out because I didn't like it.
1: And that, now that I mention the Jesus lights, all you're gonna be able to focus.
0: I just on. see. I'm staring at it.
1: When I make a clip of this, I'm gonna put like a Jesus crown on your head.
0: <laughs> I'm holding still so you can take a clip of that. <laughs>
1: mm. um, oh, so we were talking about medium.
0: So, I I I think this is extremely important right now because it just so happens that the last few years. There's been times that I'm disenfranchised with it and I kind of don't – I just get tired of it. It really gets hard to pour your heart and soul into stories all the time and editing and reading and writing all the time when you get a couple of bucks a month. You know, it's just mm-hmm. – it's it's hard to just keep forcing yourself to do it because it's about the writing. It's not about the money and it's not about the stats and all that stuff. We know that, but it's hard to – It's hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore that as a factor. So this new program that they've come out with, um, the boost program puts, puts the power back into the hands of the people. It takes it off of the algorithm. Actually, it doesn't take it off of it. It just supplements the algorithm because it still does its thing. It still circulates the stories that it sees, but, Now there are human curators that can Mm -hmm. nominate stories for a boost. And I guess what that means is then they distribute your story across the platform to all kinds of people. I think your stories go out in emails and I I don't know exactly how they distribute, Uh, but it turns out that it's a significant increase in eyes on your work. And that's really all it means. So we have the ability now to really help out some of these writers.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and boosting the boosting program really does at this point, it. I had a story boosted, and I told you this I made over six hundred dollars it's probably close to eight hundred now, yeah, from that story being boosted now, I think I had one other story boosted, and that only made three hundred, but I cool. mean, that's a lot of money that's right, and- pretty good I <laughs> mean, and it, it it's a great program for you know, writers on medium to have those stories seen and make a little cash.
0: Right. But even so, it's not just about the cash. I mean, just the fact that you're getting a couple of thousand views on your your Mm -hmm. piece that you worked hard on. And Mm -hmm. there's residual effects, too. Like a lot more people see your work. You end up with more followers and. Yeah. it, It can go a long way. And the fact that, to be honest, I mean, we're still little fish in a big pond, right? Mm -hmm. But they're putting a spotlight on those little fish. They're giving us the power and they're being transparent about it.
1: Do you know how many writers there, active writers there are on Medium? Do you have any idea?
0: I actually don't. I don't know. That's a really good question, though.
1: Maybe your next meeting.
0: Friday, we have a meeting.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious. Oh, okay. So continue with your talk. I'm jumping uh-huh. ahead.
0: I don't care. So, uh, what they're doing is they're bringing a bunch of what? The dogs scratching the dog? door to come in. Yeah. Um. Said so that was so distracting. I'm I'm lost.
1: Oh Sammy, go lie down. Sorry.
0: (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Oh so bad. So bad.
1: Okay, continue. God you're boring me. Just talk.
0: I I can't handle these interruptions. I'm uh I'm far too important for this now.
1: How is it any different than any other time we talk?
0: This is pretty standard.
1: I feel like I want to blow bubbles into my coffee.
0: I just Ooh. heard you gurgle that down. I heard it. I heard the noise it made <laughs> in your throat. It was pretty weird Now it's on your robe. Good job.
1: Okay, I my for, Michael Picka, for, the, I wanna... for Pete's sake, I'm not wearing a robe. I'm not that in bed. I, I am wearing a shirt.
0: A Shut up. I'm trying to make a gurgle shirt. sound. Right. wait. wait.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm blowing snot bubbles.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> this coffee's hot and it hurts my throat to do this, I just, but I'm, I'm willing I just, to do this for – the sake of the show.
1: I just made the esophagus noise. That wasn't too loud. But my microphone is right at my neck today. Look. Is <laughs> that my neck and my, my boob? So if my boob makes any noises, it might capture that.
0: I'm calling Lindsay Ray Brown. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ, continue with your story.
0: I don't even know what we were talking about. You
1: tell stories like I tell jokes.
0: I tell stories pretty well. You interrupt them and ruin them. <laughs> Ruined. But uh, back to writing, I guess. So, they're they're giving the writers the kind of the inside scoop. They're being very very transparent about the program and what it's doing and what's happening. I think their long-term plan is to be open and transparent and know that the writers like us, the relatively small fish will pass on the word and that the platform will actually grow. Because if you're just a regular everyday Joe, Writing a good story, you can be seen.
1: So let me ask you a question, and I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for interrupting, but I have read a lot of articles on Medium by writers who feel that um, Medium isn't being transparent, and and maybe it's just they don't have an understanding of the program or you know, they feel like mediums making changes that isn't in the best interest of the writer um, has like, now you're part of this program. So you're in meetings behind the scenes. Have they addressed any of that at all? Of The fact that writers are, you know, there's mumblings of people who maybe don't understand or are writing articles about, The fact that Medium isn't being transparent.
0: First off, I encourage you to consider the sources of those stories. Yes. Obviously, I mean, any anywhere you go, any platform, it doesn't matter. There's there's people going to complain. And I would bet that a lot of those people haven't been boosted. They don't understand the program. They don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. There's a lot of people at Medium that don't actually know how it works. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of power in the algorithm, for sure. There has to be. There's millions of stories going out there every day. Uh, but I I don't know. I think the program itself is pretty transparent. There's almost none of it. There's, there's a little, <laughs> they call it a, a novella at this point, which is like the faq for this program there's a lot of information out there about it but it is designed to put the power of curation in the hands of the editors and the people Mm -hmm. so i don't know how much more transparent they can be now that's just the boost program i don't know what the algorithm's doing right you know no one does
1: the algorithm god Right. Yeah. No, but I'm I've just had... trying to ask questions like for maybe our listeners who might be out sure. there that have questions about the program and what's going on at Medium. I mean, there seems to be this imaginary exodus. Is that the word? Yeah. Um. I mean, I haven't seen it. People in my circle haven't left or I really haven't seen people in, you know, our circle, writing circle, complaining. Um. But I've still read pieces and I've seen, you know.
0: Here's the problem with the algorithm society we live in. Mm -hmm. That's a culture. So you read a couple of those stories, the algorithm sees it, and then it pumps you full of those stories. It just keeps sending those your way because you read them. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy after that. So I think that's part of the equation for sure. And that's why they want to give some of this back to the readers and the writers and the editors.
1: So you and I run several publications on Medium and um, you were just accepted to be a curator. Right. Is that correct? Um, Yeah. In the program.
0: They're not really. I don't know what the name for it is. For
1: lack of a better term.
0: Yeah, it's essentially a curator. You're a curator.
1: Um, And we just recently announced this on our publication, The Memoirist. And this week alone, your first week in the program, you nominated. You could only nominate up to five stories a week, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a reason for that because they want it kind of spread over across the month. Mm -hmm. So five stories a week is about right.
1: And of those five stories, how many were boosted?
0: We had f- all five stories were boosted. That's amazing. And it made me feel really good. And it, you know, what's funny about it, I have kept a closer eye on the statistics for those stories than my own. hmm Because I'm so <laughs> proud of those people.
1: Have any really, like, taken off?
0: Um, none have gone what I would call viral. Mm-hmm. But they all have several hundred more views than they would have. That's great. It's great. That's great. Even I'm I'm most disappointed in the one about the the woman about the, the slumber party with her comatose dad. Yeah. That one makes me I mean, it's still done really, really well. So much better than it would have done otherwise. I but that one hit me in the heart I know. and I wanted it to get a bajillion views.
1: And her writing style w- is amazing. Like the way she great. her humor came through, and her uh, it, it just had so many levels in that piece. To summarize
0: the story I, I for it. any listener, mm-hmm. it was about how when she was a child, uh, she I was forget a teenager exactly where in high school she was. A, yeah, that's right. She was in high school. I think she
1: may have been her- in Canada.
0: They were in Canada and February roads in Canada were snowy. Her folks were on a trip to see family or something. I don't exactly remember. And they were going to
1: Niagara Falls.
0: That's right. And they were in an accident. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. They were in an accident and her mother was killed and her father was badly injured and he was in a coma. That year, was it her 15th birthday? Something like that.
1: 15th or 16th. Yeah.
0: Right. She spent the night in the hospital with her dad in a coma and he later died. But mm-hmm. that but this story wasn't as sad as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she showed a lot of resolve and a lot of growth through it. The way she told it was just brilliant. It was one of my favorite stories.
1: Yeah, we'll have to link it.
0: We'll put it in the show notes or something. It was just great. But those are yeah, the types of stories really that we want to promote.
1: I think, if I recall, she may be a newish writer, too.
0: She is. Um, I think she yeah. only had a couple of hundred followers yeah. or something, which means nothing, by the way.
1: No, that doesn't. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but that's, that's the kind of writer and the kind of story that I love to bring attention to.
0: Well, that's why they brought us in. Mm-hmm. Because there's enough meta articles and stories about writing on Medium and making money – Meta articles aren't part of the program we're not allowed to, to boost them, right. which I think is great. They're trying to highlight real writing and real stories
1: what are like d- to simply um, to simply state without having to look through articles and and really find um, go through the FAQs or even find that article, what are the basic elements that you as a curator have to look for in a story other other than there, it's like highly you know that it's really good that you look for to nominate it
0: so uh, there are five criteria that they're using, or do you want it in my words
1: put it in you your know. words so that people understand better
0: uh just hold on one second. You might have to edit this out. I just want to look at something here, because it's...
1: I'm not editing it out.
0: God damn it. You don't edit... the worst editor. are <laughs> <laughs> oh, the worst. Oh. Uh... Okay. All right. I'll try. I'll try to remember this because I haven't I haven't done anything with it today. But the story has to obviously be well written. It's Mm got to be what they call an evergreen story. So it's not really time sensitive. It can go on and be important for a while. Mm. It has to be. What I say, written well, it's got to be kind of an evergreen story. It has to be um fuck you're you're fucking me up by not letting me look this up. I'm looking okay, it up. Look it up. look it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we want to provide people with the answers, so
0: pause the recording for a minute,
1: okay, fine.
0: The unfocused writer will be right back. So what I'm looking for is what they are looking for. And I think I said well-written, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what else did I say? Important? I can't remember. But anyway, they want the stories to be constructive. They want them to be original. They want the, the writers or the authors to have relevant experience in whatever they're talking about. Because obviously they're going to get a whole lot of... um. Techie pieces and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. How-tos, stuff like that. Uh, And they want the story to be memorable. So with the stories that I've picked out, obviously for a a memoir pub, our stuff is going to be a little bit different.
1: It's going to be more memorable, well-written. It's
0: obviously memorable, definitely well-written. The relevant experience part, maybe. That's personal. I mean, that's like... Well, and they are personal pieces, so mm-hmm. the they will have relevant experience. You know, yeah, the the pieces that we publish about, you know, somebody spending their birthday in the hospital with their dad in a coma—that's relevant.
1: And maybe it's a technical. You know, is it a really good memoir? Is it a true memoir for, for us? Or is it yes? Right, or for Age of Empathy? Is it? a very well-constructed personal essay.
0: Right. Right. Constructive, original, relevant, mm-hmm. well-written, and memorable are the, the main criteria that we're looking for. But,
1: but they've also talked about evergreen. Yes. Is there anything yeah. else they talked about are like behind that. the scenes?
0: They talk about all kinds of stuff, but like I, like we were talking about a second ago when we were off the air, Uh, they know that the algorithm is already adept at finding the good written, the well-written stories by good writers. But they want the curators to go out there and find the lesser known writers, the Mm -hmm. important stories by somebody with not a great following.
1: The diamonds in the rough, if
0: you will. The diamond in the rough. And that's that's something that only a human can do. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that sold me on the whole program in the first place. They want human eyes on this stuff. And only a human can decide if something's worth promoting.
1: Well, because especially if you're talking about in our genres, um, there's an emotional level there.
0: There's an emotion there it. that you're not going to find in a piece about. Um, coding i can't yes exactly (laughs) yeah yeah you have to be emotional about it so it's all so interesting and I, i know maybe there's writers out there that think that they're not being transparent but i for one appreciate more than anything being pulled in to quote unquote the inner circle i guess it's not you know i'm not working for medium or anything but it's just so neat that They're letting some of us in there. And I have friends in there, too. Writers that I've known for a really long time that are doing the same thing. Some of them more successful than others. It's neat. So when
1: you go to these meetings, are you in with, like, it's not like with medium staff. Is Tony there sometimes?
0: No, Tony's not there. But there's medium staff in them. Yeah. Product representatives and mm-hmm. publication reps and
1: well, that's amazing. People
0: in medium, yeah. And I haven't been to a meeting yet. I've only been there a week and a half. But it it just tells me that they're really listening to the people. No, so
1: listening to the writers who are in the program.
0: They're listening to the writers that are in the program, knowing that we represent the little writers. It's
1: like you're the electoral college.
0: Feels a bit like politics <laughs> at times, you know? Yeah. But I am honored to be a part of it and I'm honored to take our publications and our writers and represent them. That's why I said in our Slack channels, tell me what's going on, keep me in the loop because they want us to take those things. There's channels for product ideas, there's mm-hmm. channels for technical issues all that kind of stuff they want to be they want to know about what's going on out there in the world
1: wow and we're the ones who know
0: yeah who's who's going to know better than the writers and the editors especially
1: see yeah i love hearing this and i love that you're talking about it because i think there is a subset of writers on medium who don't believe that we do have a voice and this program clearly is um, helping implement um, a voice for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's giving more people a voice, a channel to communicate with the people that make the decisions. Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting. And obviously you can't have 10,000 people on the channel, so you have a representative.
0: There are only a couple group. of hundred people in this channel. Mhm. It's It's any reputable pub usually has an editor there. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily pub owners. There's a lot of regular editors. Some are pub owners, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they are listening.
1: That's awesome. So,
0: yeah, it makes me feel like they want to bring in the regular writer.
1: That's great. So you're feeling you're in a positive place about Medium right now.
0: For sure. And I feel empowered for the writers, and I also feel empowered to write.
1: Mhm. because I've we've had... spoken about how it feels like a cult at times and i think the reason we use the word cult and maybe that's a poor word of choice but is because when you start writing there it's like you you often kind of just write there because it's so community focused yeah and and it's difficult to branch out from that, but there are pros about that community focus as well.
0: Um, You feel there's, there's a really significant thing that happens when you start there and it does kind of feel like you're an outsider, mm -hmm. but it really just takes time to find your community. Mm -hmm. Once you do, you'll be in a much better spot, but people don't want to take the time. They don't want to build relationships. They just want to write and make a bunch of money. That's not how it works.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like everyone else, I didn't know any of this was a thing before I started there. I was like, oh, I can make money writing neat. <laughs> neat. But then I didn't make any money. And I i mean, the, the the possibility is there to just go, fuck this. I'm not making any money. Why am I spending time on this? Especially people that have only been there like a couple of months go, oh, I can't, I can't spend any more time doing this. It's killing me and I'm not getting anything out of it.
1: See, I didn't, that's because I of didn't, those
0: expectations.
1: I didn't go there looking to make money. I was looking for a platform to write on Right. since blogging didn't really, doesn't
0: well really look the same remember, anymore. You had been a writer for a long time already. Mm-hmm. I had not. So mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect. You kind of knew what you were getting yourself into.
1: Mhm. And yeah, which is why immediately I, I mean, I don't know if many, how many people do it, but like it, a week after I joined, I started The Memoirist. <laughs> so, you know, I...
0: That's not that common.
1: Yeah. I. But I also could,
0: feel like... Uh, starting your own publication is kind of a rite of passage. Everyone tries to do it because they think they can do it better or they want something that fits their specific vision. And I think it's awesome that Medium gives us the ability to do that. Joe Blow from the street can start his own pub today.
1: It was pretty ballsy. Doesn't mean it'll do anything. What's that? It was pretty ballsy of
0: me. It was.
1: But... I couldn't find anything like what I wanted. There
0: wasn't anything else like yours.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not specifically tailored just right. for memoirs. Yep. There was other publications that accept them and
1: mm-hmm.
0: all that, but none specifically just for memoirs. And it's that's our standout publication. That's the one that people mm-hmm. gravitate towards because it's unique and specific. Yeah. We don't accept just anything, and I love that about it.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say our, our main three, you know, all are extremely popular. You know, uh, Black Bear took right off um, as soon People as I— People love
0: reading about mental health.
1: Yeah. Um, That one just exploded as soon as I created it. But, I, th- you know, I think the lucky thing about that, too, is, you know, I also, you know, we also have the other pubs, you know, so we can say, oh, this is being created by so-and-so. Right. So we kind of have a little bit of name recognition now. Yeah. To say, yeah, we have quality publications, so come right. here. And it works. hmm
0: I was writing about conviction this morning.
1: Conviction. Your essays lately have been quite
0: something. Very I'm deep. I'm empowered by this whole process, by the whole thing, mm-hmm. by Rick Rubin's book. I
1: mm-hmm.
0: feel pretty much invincible with You're my writing. You're
1: a fabulous essay writer.
0: I appreciate that. I, I, I honestly kind of don't care what anyone thinks, and I just write what's on my mind. <laughs> And I That's don't good. I don't have strong opinions because this is what I was writing about this morning. I think I looked at people that have conviction for a long time like that was a a virtue. But I think it's kind of a trap. Mm-hmm. I think when you're when you have conviction about something you're not objective anymore.
1: Yeah that's so true I,
0: was, I mean traditions religion belief systems they're all that way
1: mhm they keep you from being open minded they
0: they keep you from seeing everything else mhm so and
1: that everything else has a place
0: right so i was writing about conviction and agnosticism and being open to other ideas. Yeah. I don't know I where I'll publish that. the piece though. Um. I, I have questions the about. <laughs> well, that's just it because the piece that I had boosted was the one I sent to Elemento, oh, which is Dave David Todd McCarthy's pub. And I had never I heard of that know, until
1: your piece was in there.
0: It's a really neat pub. He's got some good writers in there, and it's pretty exclusive. He just doesn't open mm-hmm. it up to anyone. And I kind of mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I didn't know he was in the Boost program when I sent it into to him. Oh. I was just kind of like, oh, just kind of spread my wings a little bit and send some stuff out into the world instead of just to our little
1: corner. Yeah. Well, maybe try, try sending behold, it there again.
0: He grabbed it and he he nominated it for a boost. And since then, uh, I think that put me on their radar because I had already applied. So, but uh, yeah, I might send it to him. It depends on kind of what it turns out to be. I don't know when I start writing an idea what it's going to (laughs) be. Yeah. Unless it's like a memoir. Then you kind of know you're telling a story. Yeah. I don't write I as many like, memoirs as you do.
1: I feel like I've been out of ideas for my memoirs lately. I started writing one. Um, I've been in more of an essay mode. Yeah. Lately. Well, that which happens. is fine. And
0: I, mm-hmm. I wrote something in a journal, and I'm probably going to publish parts of this. Mm-hmm but they're in this thought in this vein about writing all these memoirs. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear me or Okay. Um I keep thinking about memoirs and how when you start really investigating your past and doing the recovery steps and and focusing on your mental health and therapy or whatever There's a million different ways to get there, but when you write these memoirs, you are in a way processing some of your past. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's true? Do you think it's a way forward?
1: It is, but you know, what's funny with me is um, I find that I'm better in my older age, but it's almost like uh, journal writing. I feel like sometimes in my memoirs, there's something about me. There's something that I hold back
0: still. Um,
1: like, I don't want the complete <laughs> honest truth in there.
0: I'd be um, lying if I didn't say that I know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because so, there's an element of of processing and healing when you write mm-hmm. memoir. And if you're mm-hmm. holding stuff back, you're not ready to deal with it yet.
1: Right. Um.
0: Which, by the know, way, it- not to interrupt you, which was so fascinating about her piece about her dad being in a coma. Mm-hmm. You could tell by the way she wrote it that she has dealt with this over the years. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It was very, I don't want to, I, I don't even know the word. It was just so matter of fact. She's she like, mm-hmm. this happened. I felt this way. It's terrible, but it happened. Mhm. And that was interesting to me. Yeah. Go ahead. Whatever you were going to say.
1: You interrupted me. I don't remember.
0: I know. I'm sorry. I knew it.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't. There's something about holding back.
0: Um, Well, I'm curious to talk to you about it because I feel like there's an, there's kind of an element of things hidden by the mists of time, you know, there's, and then when you really start doing the shadow work, you start, you start seeing the memories more and more as they were instead of this, fantastical historic view?
1: Well, there's mem- memories and there's memoir. And, you know, you are yes. writing and you are being creative. And I don't think that um, everyone wants to read a pure, straight-up memory.
0: Well, that's correct. Cr- it I'm doesn't saying? mean anything to anybody but you.
1: That's right. I know. So you're still coloring Outside of the lines a little bit when you're writing a memoir. So maybe to kind of combine. Oops, sorry.
0: I didn't hear anything. Maybe
1: to maybe to combine your point and mine. Um, maybe you're doing the work while you're writing it, even though you're not Ooh. saying it, putting it on the paper.
0: Well. That's the words between the words. Right. You are, that's right, you are processing as you're writing it. But we already know that memory is fallible. Mm-hmm. We know that each time we recall a memory, we change it just a little wee bit, and then mm-hmm. our brain fills in the blanks. Mm-hmm. So the idea of memoir itself, I guess there's, there has to be an element of creativity in it.
1: Right. I mean, who can remember dialogue? Exact dialogue from 50 years ago? You know. I don't
0: know if I don't really think you can.
1: No. Like, you know, I can't remember what I wore yesterday. So, and it's probably the same thing I wore 5 days in a row. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Well, that's the interesting part because once you write the story, you're kind of you're kind of cementing it in time, right? Mhm. So Preeti was talking to me the other day about rewriting an old story that she wrote. Mhm. And I was kind of cautioning her against it because I think it's I think it's there for posterity, especially when you talk about I don't know if she was talking about a memoir or not, but I would mm-hmm. especially not go and rewrite a memoir
1: yeah and I think I commented on that um and when i what I did, the only reason I republished it is because it was an early piece that I had written that not you a wanted lot to of get eyes had some new gotten eyes on. on it. I wanted right. to get new eyes on it, and it went along with the prompt that I put out right so i I think I made a couple of grammar um fixes, yeah, and just deleted the old one and put it out anew. And honestly, it didn't get that many more views. So I don't think it it just isn't a hit. You know,
0: it didn't land.
1: Maybe it just means more to me personally than people relate to. It could. For that particular one.
0: But what I think is interesting is how, if you look in an older story that you wrote, especially mm-hmm. something like a memoir, you're going to have changed since you wrote it. You're going mm-hmm. to have new evidence and new information, and the the story's going to feel and look different to you. hmm
1: I was playing with an old one that I wrote back in 2010 yesterday, and I wasn't changing too much, but my writing is... Um, improved so much over the years that, you know, I was, it was more like fixing style and fixing, (laughs) you know,
0: just tense problems and the rest of it.
1: Yes. Oh my God. And even still, I was like, I thought to myself, if Chris looked at this, there'd be so many things he'd fix about this. (laughs) He'd probably tell me not even to bother Um, because I could tell there were just so many run-ons and, you know, well, unnecessary shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's always unnecessary shit. You could, I was looking at one this morning. I was like, I didn't need to say any of this. It doesn't move the, yeah. f- the story forward. It was just a thought that I had at the time. I thought was, I thought should go in it. And 99% of the time, it probably shouldn't. You can cut it. Yeah. yeah. But I think what I, what I'm interested in is how you look at those old stories and you see how far you've come. Like you've changed around the story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story's still the same, but I've changed. Like right. the essence of the story is the same.
0: Here's here's a here's a good one. Years ago before my grandmother had her um Alzheimer's or whatever whatever she's got. It's Not great, but dementia, whatever. Before it really kicked in, I had written a story about her husband and my grandfather teaching me to play guitar. And at the time when I wrote it, it was filled with happy-go-lucky, sunshiny memories and, (laughs) you know, happy horse shit sitting around the campfire playing guitar with granddad. You know, Mm. and then in my in my (laughs) recovery, I looked at the story and I was like, this is fucking garbage. I had just. I had just made that all up for the sake of the story so well, (laughs) I hated it. Yeah, so I kind of rewrote it. Uh, I still have the original version because I didn't want to lose that. I did write it and I think I did feel that way. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, but I don't mm-hmm. now, and I'm not bitter or angry about the way it turned out. I think I'm just looking at it more realistically than I ever did. Yeah. Why well, you say you know me? You, did you know what I was talking about?
1: No, I just I know how you feel about your guitar lessons and
0: yeah, playing. it changed my outlook yeah. on it changed just yeah. in the last two or three years. Yeah. It doesn't change the way I felt about him.
1: Right,
0: my grandfather. That is it. Just, I think my relationship to the whole thing has just shifted, evolved. I'm still yeah, grateful, and it probably it just, will again. I'm sure it will. Fascinating.
1: It is so very fascinating. This is a what about you? Have you? Is that ever?
0: This is a serious conversation. Should we lighten it up? Start telling fart jokes? <laughs> I don't like potty humor. I don't. I don't either. When I like, I don't know, when I read that stuff or see it, I'm like, what are you, fourteen?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm the same way.
0: And I grew up with Ooh. that stuff. <laughs> what were you gonna ask me? Uh have you ever have you ever had that? Read something old and then you your relationships to it changes?
1: I have actually um because I I'm I've tried like putting my essays together into like a book format and I can't I still can't figure out how to get it to work smoothly but um
0: I feel like over time as you write essays your voice is going to change.
1: It that's very true and there a uh, uh, because I have so many that are old there have been a couple of times where instead of writing them over or, or revising them editing them I've thought, let me try taking this idea and writing something new and seeing what I come up with instead of what I wrote, you know, instead of editing.
0: Right. Because you've painted yourself into a corner.
1: And usually what happens is the, the few times I've done it is the story ends up very similar. Right. It's just that my stylistically, I'm different. Stylistically, I'm more sophisticated. Um, But the stories don't change too much other than in my past, I was even more uh, apt to, like you, paint a rosy picture. Like, um, I I write about my hometown and growing up a lot and I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings in my hometown. I didn't want to hurt my mom's feelings. Sorry, mom. And, um, so I would really, I would paint home as a home, meaning my hometown as a very rosy, idealistic place when really I couldn't, when I couldn't wait to get out of there. Right. As a kid. And I go back and I'm like, you know, so (laughs) Um, I'm less apt to do that now. Now I'm a little more realistic with it, but I still even hold back a little because, again, nobody wants to read. About how shitty things are. You know, there's got to be a little color
0: in there. A little color is one thing, but your readers can tell if you're bullshitting Mm -hmm. them.
1: That's right. That's right. So I'll usually say it's a, you know, small farm town. All you've got to do is qualify
0: it. And that usually makes up for it. Yes, exactly. But you have to do that.
1: Where before I would be just like, Oh, it's this oasis of pine. (laughs) I mean, I literally used those words once, I think. Oh God. Um no, I know. So again, a <laughs> little more sophisticated. Oasis. Uh, of pine. Yeah. Little poetic. To anybody
0: that read the story about an oasis of pine. <laughs> we apologize.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> she likes that. <laughs>
0: There's a poetic value to it, but it doesn't belong in an essay.
1: No. No. I've written a couple of poems like that, but... Mm -hmm. You know, Oasis of Pine.
0: (laughs) That's trying too hard. It feels like you're trying too hard. It does
1: feel like you're trying too hard.
0: Right. And I think a lot of you... uh, I don't want to say younger, newer writers do that. They try so hard because they want to do something symbolic words to Yeah, the the flowery descriptive. And I'm like, no, but at the same time, you got to do something because you can't just say it was a nice day. (laughs) That makes me want to blow my brains out.
1: That was one when I was in college. That was a comment I used to get a lot is that I was a very flowery writer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. And I think you're right, especially when you're younger, newer writers. Um, I did try to be very I I don't know if I tried or if I was. I probably tried to be very,
0: you know, poetic in my writing style. Right. (laughs) Prosy. It probably also depends on what you were reading at the time. Yeah. Getting all prosy.
1: Well, I, I, you know, was reading a lot of literature and um, I had a lot of focus on <laughs> the romantic poets, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Lord Byron and Shelley and stuff like that. So.
0: Yeah. He yawns. It happens. <laughs> you Well, you're influenced by... All those things around you all the time. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you're into, of course, it's going to bleed into your work.
1: Mm-hmm. Back then I was. I was into shit like that. I thought I was a poetic beatnik type. would wear all black.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny that that goes back to the thing I've talked about a few times about being your authentic self. Mm hmm. Berbiglia has a great question on his show where he asks, "Do you remember a time in your life when you were not your authentic self all the time and it cracks me <laughs> up because he he talks about he's just like a he's like a guy he just looks like a guy on the street yeah. if you saw Mike Bigley running around yeah. you wouldn't even know but he goes <laughs> He tells this story about how when he was, I don't know if he was in high school or college, how he just decided he was going to wear a cowboy hat. He was just going to (laughs) be cowboy hat guy and he's not a cowboy hat guy, but he was trying to do it for some reason. Who knows why we do the things we do. I love that question and it happens to everyone, especially a writer. You're trying to be someone else. You're trying to do all these fancy mm-hmm. things. But while you're doing all that, you're not being yourself. You're not finding your own voice. Yeah. And your own voice is why we're here. Why we're reading you. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's funny.
1: Did you ever go to your time? No, wait, I asked you first.
0: Uh, um probably I mean I know there was a time I wanted to be uh, what's the word I wanted to be I can't I can't think of a good word for it I like bought a pickup truck you know what I mean <laughs> I was like <laughs> lumberjack <laughs> I was kind of a lumberjack yeah I was gonna like I was gonna be like Bob Vila, right? I was going to fix up my house and trim all the yard and I was going to be like the all-American dad or something. Oh. Yeah, which is probably how I learned to be as handy as I am, but I didn't know that you could be handy without being like a flannel shirt wearing pickup truck driving beer swigging asshole. (laughs) You can do all those things and still be just a regular person. Mm. So maybe that was inauthentic. It's hard to tell. Yeah,
1: because I think you go through phases. Like, I'm trying to think of mine, and the thing is, is, like, I equate them more to phases than...
0: They are phases. You need them to get from one place mm-hmm. to another. They're phases, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another one because I know there was more, you know, probably when you're younger, when you're trying stuff out, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who you are in the world.
1: I would dress like a dancer, like a ballet dancer.
0: Really? Uh, What's a ballet dancer dress like?
1: Well, I would wear like the authentic ballet, like I'd wear ballet um, shoes, like everywhere. (laughs) And like little ballet
0: (laughs) wrap sweaters and... When? When you were, like, a kid or were you, like, 35?
1: Like, when I was 35. <laughs> <laughs> uh, More um, like yeah. 30, maybe.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um. Yeah, I'm not so gonna
0: give you a shit for it.
1: That, and uh, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely the beatnik phase, and then um, there was a phase I went through where I wanted to be Katie Couric, so... You know, when I was 19, I'd wear suits all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably the most unlike me. Yeah. I I think probably my style is... I don't know. Kind of more
0: bohemian. Whoa.
1: Beatnik was probably the closest.
0: (laughs) To who you actually are, you mean? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I feel like as a writer, though, you're always trying to find your mm-hmm. voice and your style and your art form. Yeah, it doesn't. This is what I'm learning about writers: is that it, they don't look, they don't look any different than anyone else.
1: You know what my style is? It's pajamas. That's my style. I can Thank see you. That. Are you going outside? Okay. Yeah. And Sammy finally got in the house, or in the door. Did he? Hi, Sammy. Hi, buddy.
0: My sister got a new cat today.
1: Aw, oh, what you call
0: it? Uh, Mart. Uh, Mar- uh, uh... I did. I did. Uh... <laughs> hold on. I. It's an interesting name. Marceline. oh. Aw. Yeah, It's an interesting name,
1: says the one who called his cat Toe Beans.
0: We just call him Beans now. We've we've dropped the toe almost completely. He's just Beans. Really? And when he's bad, we're just like, Beans!
1: (laughs) That's cute. We just yell Beans. I like that.
0: (laughs) And Beans sometimes can be like a swear word. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, oh, Beans! Funny,
1: that is funny. What else do we have to talk about?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I probably have some home improvement to do since my children flooded this thing.
1: All right, I think we got a good amount for a, This has
0: been almost an hour. I mean,
1: yeah, of uh, straight up chatting,
0: serious a lot about talk. writing, and I mean, I'm into it. Yeah, I think this was a good episode. Well, I I think all that it takes is to be to feel included and welcomed and to feel heard and all of a sudden you start to feel like a writer yeah and it kind of snowballs then you just want to write
1: and in, in a couple months you're going it's to be like it's a little bit oh, of validation
0: <laughs> yeah and it's funny because a couple of people commented to me that um, it's very difficult as a writer Kim Kelly actually – what's her name? Kim Kim Kelly Stamp? What's her name? You know who I'm talking about. God damn it. God damn it. You're going to have to edit this out too. You're not not. going to. You're such an asshole. I lost – I can't – I'll never find it. But if she said to me something like writers in particular have a very hard time identifying their work as art and Mm. having any value. And I said to her, I think it's probably because there's no there's no physical thing there to look at and say, this is my piece of art. So because of that, we're always looking outside of ourselves for validation. Yeah. We don't need it. We just need to keep writing. It's hard to remember. I'll I'll forget. By next week, I'll be bitching and moaning. <laughs> That's okay. Nobody reads my stories. I'm quitting.
1: I don't read your stories. I won't. I know. <laughs> I do. I and I do. haven't quit
0: on you yet, asshole.
1: I do read your stories. It just takes me a while. I know. I don't read anybody's yeah. stories. <laughs> no, That's I That's
0: another thing. What? I, like I can't possibly read any more than I've been reading. Yeah. I haven't read a novel in like a year.
1: Hey, I gave you one to boost.
0: Yeah, I, I, I did. And I know. It worked. I know. Sorry. I just felt like I wasn't done spouting off at the mouth. You were like, well, it's been a good episode. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Well, here, have more. <laughs> I didn't even finish my coffee yet. so I know.
1: I Mine's I not more. finished yet either. I have a tiny bit in there. Let me see. Enough to slurp.
0: Maybe we could get oh. Yeti to sponsor us. No. Obviously not, because you can't even drink out of a Yeti without spilling it on Yeti. yourself. Yeti. Yeti.
1: Yeti.
0: This is the, I got this in Austin. Oh really? Yeah, I went to their flagship store in Austin.
1: I know you told me. <laughs> oh, beans.
0: Beans. All right. All right. We should probably quit.
1: Okay, fine. Well, it was a great episode, Christopher Rob, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for
0: chatting with me, Christy Walter.
1: <laughs> Have a good week.
0: Have a good day.
1: Have a great day, and stay focused.
0: Good. <laughs> I said good day.
1: No, I said good day.
0: <laughs> no, I said good day.
1: Good right. fucking day. Okay, then.
0: All right. All right. (laughs) All righty. Bye-bye now. Bye. (laughs) See ya.
1: Okay. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Unfocused Writer. For show notes and extras, visit TheUnfocusedWriter.com. Production and post-production provided by The Tranquil Tavern. Until next time, stay focused.